You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr, and my website is coconutsandkettlebells.com. This is episode number 427, the one in which I get to interview Dr. Isabella Wentz again. She has been on before to talk about the root cause of your thyroid symptoms, and today we are connecting the dots between adrenal dysfunction and thyroid issues and how to tell the difference between both because there's a lot of crossover when it comes to symptoms. Dr. Isabella Wentz is compassionate. She's innovative. She's solution-focused. She's actually an integrative pharmacist dedicated to finding the root cause of chronic health conditions, including thyroid issues. Her passion stems from her own diagnosis with with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which she was diagnosed in 2009, following a decade of debilitating symptoms. Now, this episode is pretty packed. There's a lot in here. We do go a little bit long, and I so appreciate her doing that. But we talk a lot about lab work and what you should be looking for and, and signs for how to know what is actually the root cause. We talk specifically about supplements and ways to help your body improve its physiology if you are struggling with thyroid issues or adrenal issues. And actually, something she mentioned in here was a little bit of a huh, interesting note for me, something that I noted. I went back to and listened to it, and I ended up changing up the way my husband is is dealing with his Hashimoto's and uh, got some new supplements. So I really appreciate her being willing to sit down and answer all of your questions. You guys had some great questions, and we got to most of them, which is awesome. A uh, quick note about more chill. If you struggle with sleep problems and you do feel like you're taking magnesium and you're not seeing the results or you have been struggling a long time with feeling overwhelmed or racing mind or just uh, instability in your sleep at night, so either you struggle falling asleep or you wake up in the middle of the night, more chill is specifically something that I'm working on formulating that has changed my life, but I take it in different <laughs> I kind of mix it together and make it myself. I'm trying to get it all into one capsule. So it is magnesium lysinate, glycinate, which is the most absorbable form of magnesium, along with L-theanine, which is a natural amino acid found in tea leaves that makes a huge difference for helping your body deal with stress-related symptoms, calming your mood, and really improving sleep quality. I take both. I take this exact formulation every single night, and it's tremendously helped me and my sleep. And it also, I take it sometimes in the morning just for if I'm feeling overwhelmed or just, you know, stressed out. So I am putting it together. More chill magnesium plus L-theanine. A lot of you had questions when I dropped some bombs a few episodes ago about not being a fan anymore of magnesium oxide or citrate. And I definitely, definitely don't recommend it for kids. So you can stay up to date with all the things. Coconutsandkettlebells.com slash minerals. I am working my hardest. I've been really pushing to get these kid dro- kids drops out too. The kids drops will not have L-theanine, but it will have a highly absorbable form of magnesium that has been specifically studied to help kids with focus and attention issues and sleep issues because these kids should not be taking magnesium citrate. I am working on that. All of the information will be on my email list. You can sign up if you want to help me out, give me some feedback because I so appreciate all of your opinions. And we're thinking right now that more chill for adults will launch early June and the kids drops will probably launch a few months after that. 
Now let's get to the interview with Dr. Isabella Wentz. Her website is thyroidpharmacist.com. Make sure to also follow her on Instagram. It's at Isabella Wentz PharmD. Well, welcome back, Dr. Isabella Wentz. Last time you were here, we talked all about thyroid issues, Hashimoto's thyroid disease. It was one of the most beloved and probably one of the most popular podcast episodes for me because, like you know, so many women, especially millennials, 30s, 40s, 50-year-olds, we all are struggling. We're on the struggle bus, and a lot of us deal with thyroid issues. So that was such an incredible episode. I'm so happy you are back. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me again. It's always such a pleasure to connect with you. Yeah. Okay. So your new book, it's coming out soon. It By the time this episode airs, it will be out. It's, it's coming out April 18th. It's all about adrenal dysfunction, which makes sense because it's so closely tied with thyroid and hormone health. And today we're going to dive into both topics. So how the adrenals and the thyroid are connected, the entire endocrine system. Um, and we're going to answer a whole lot of questions from the community. We got a lot. So <laughs> I was like, let's get right to it because I really want to be able to help all of you who are desperate. And, and this is such an important topic for so many women. So First, let's set the stage a little bit when it comes to the adrenal glands and adrenal dysfunction. What are some symptoms or what are kind of the most general symptoms when we're talking about adrenal dysfunction? And then maybe talk a little bit about what are some root causes of adrenal dysfunction. So some of the main symptoms are going to be fatigue, especially morning fatigue, having brain fog, having trouble waking up in the morning feeling very sluggish throughout your day, being dependent on caffeine to get anything done, having that 3 p.m. crash where you're hangry or you're irritable or you're very tired, having anxiety throughout the day, feeling like you're very irritated and overwhelmed, like just like you're you're just constantly overwhelmed and everybody's just annoying you and giving you way too many demands, right? Um, kind of day-to-day things that you normally would want to do that you normally are part of your life feel like just too much. You just don't handle stress very, very well. You might be somebody that, that goes to sleep and sleeps a lot of hours and you still feel unrefreshed, or you might be somebody that has trouble falling asleep in the evening. You might feel wired, but tired when it's time to go to bed, you might have a racy mind. Um, kind of feel like you're a bit of a night owl. You might wake up in the middle of the night or multiple times throughout the night. And just you just feel like exhausted all of the time um, from a kind of a, a mental standpoint. That's how people will describe it. From some of the physical symptoms and manifestations is people will have low blood pressure. Usually people will have salt cravings. They'll have sensitivity to bright lights. So they're the kind of people that are like, I feel like a vampire when I step outside, you know? Um, And oftentimes people, when they stand up too quickly, they might feel faint. Like they Mm -hmm. might, um, they might actually feel like, oh my gosh, I, my, all the blood is rushing out of my head and I feel like I'm about to faint. So these are some of the common patterns. People will also report mood swings, um, mild kind of version of depression, They'll report libido issues as well as just kind of feeling like achy 
um, perhaps like their muscles aren't as strong. Maybe they're, they're just not recovering from workouts. They're not recovering from stress very well. Um, they're the people that like try, they're like, I'm going to try fasting and then they feel worse. And then they try like, they're like, I'm going to try exercising more because everybody says that's what I need to do to get more energy. And then they feel a lot worse. So, um, these are my people, (laughs) (laughs) um, my people too. So what are some root causes of adrenal dysfunction? Like what's actually going to get people to that point? And is it something, you know, I honestly, when you're talking, it seems like sometimes there's a specific type of person who might be more prone to adrenal dysfunction than not. So talk to me a little bit about that. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, I want to say it's, it's not like a disease. It's more of like a syndrome of how the body responds to stress, right? And so when we're overwhelmed with stress and stress can be from various sources, that's, that's when we shift into this survival mode, when our body's in a constant fight or flight, and then it ends up like that. Um, we kind of the, the categories of stress, people typically think of like, you know, I'm stressed out because my job is awful. I have to drive a lot to work and, you know, people are causing a lot of drama in my life. Right. So mm-hmm. these are, these are kind of the typical stressors that people think about. And I think they're very relevant. I know I had um, one person that reviewed one of my earlier books and said, I didn't need to do anything to heal myself. All I needed to, uh, that you talk about, I just needed to quit my like super toxic job, right? (laughs) Everything got better. I went to the beach and I relaxed and now I feel amazing. And I'm like, sometimes it's as easy as like something really going on in your life. That's just overwhelming your capacity to handle stress, right? Or sometimes it could be, positive stressors. So you just got married. You just got a job promotion. You're in graduate school. You moved across country. You had a beautiful baby or a couple of babies. These are things that are typically thought of as like really positive and really exciting times in our life. That can be stressful too. And that could be overwhelming too, right? Um, Then there's kind of the stressors that maybe aren't in our present life. They could have happened in our past. So having a history of trauma childhood trauma specifically, this can leave an imprint on our um, HPA axis, how we respond to stress and how we carry stress. And this is one of the risk factors to your point about what kind of person is more likely to have this adrenal dysfunction. It's usually somebody that has a history of some childhood trauma. They're going to be more at risk for for autoimmunity, they're going to be more at risk for HPA axis dysfunction for thyroid issues later on in life. And these are, these are kind of stressors we carry with us. And if we don't take the proper way to process them, if they're still kind of triggering us in some way, this can be a very relevant sense of stress that's oftentimes overlooked. And then then beyond like the psychological stress, we have physical stress that that I'm really excited to share about because people talk about burnout. And they're like, oh, well, you know, you're, you're burning the bridge at both ends. And if you just relaxed more, you wouldn't feel so stressed. And for some people that's absolutely relevant, but for others, there's also this physical component, right? So, um, what are like the physical component? There's daily things or habits of modern life that can set off our stress response. These are things like sleep deprivation, right? Um, this is probably the fastest ways to get into adrenal dysfunction, to mess with our stress response. There are things that we do in our modern life that we think maybe are good for us. 
So having a side hustle, working a lot, um, you know, being like a kind of overachiever, always on having a long to-do list, um, things that, um, you know, we potentially do to be healthier, like over-exercising or limiting the amount of food that we eat. These are things that are so common in modern life that we don't really think about how it would impact our ancient genes, right? So mm-hmm. if I was a cave woman and I was skipping meals all the time and not eating enough calories and eating foods that were inflammatory to me um, and like running a lot all day, every day, I mean, that would probably, that would probably, I wouldn't do that as a cave woman, right? I, the only time I would do that is if I was like, if there was a famine or if I was being chased. And so sometimes these signals that we think and I, I know you and I are on the same page about this because you're you're doing a lot of um, awareness to kind of debunk these things. Like you, we, you know, women are told that they need to eat less and exercise more, but a lot of times that can actually sabotage our metabolism that is um, managed by our stress response. Um, and then there are things that are more um, kind of deeply rooted, and I talk about from a functional medicine perspective that are. Um, hidden sources of inflammation. So like an H. pylori infection, it could be a food sensitivity. Um, Sometimes I've worked with people that are like, I have a great lifestyle and I have a happy life, but something else is off. And in that case, it could be something like a toxic mold exposure. Um, You know, my husband had iron overload that was toxic in his body. And that can be something that sets you off into that um, stress response. Or it could be, um, you know, really anything that overwhelms our ability to handle stress. So any Mm -hmm. kind of source of inflammation or overdoing it or stress. So Mm -hmm. lots, lots of different um, kind of things that can set us into that stress response. Yeah. From a physiological perspective, um, I feel like in the last maybe five to seven years, our understanding of what adrenal dysfunction is has kind of like gone like this. You know, it's like, oh, the adrenals are getting tired. It's fatigue. And then it's like, that's not a real thing. Your adrenals don't get tired. And so, you know, everybody's kind of been back and forth, a little bit confused about what (laughs) is actually happening on a physiological level. You know, we've heard about cortisol resistance, the body not responding. So what's actually happened? Why is it that we're feeling all of these symptoms when we are not managing our stress properly, or we have these underlying sources, these chronic stressors? Um, Essentially. So yeah, you're right. There's like, there's a lot of controversy in not even the conventional and integrative community, but just within the integrative community in itself, because the origins of adrenal fatigue came from uh, a brilliant naturopathic doctor who noticed this pattern of symptoms in his patients And his theory initially was that the symptoms kind of mimicked the symptoms of Addison's disease, and they were related to um, how they handled stress. And so his theory was that the adrenals were physically not able to produce enough of um, the important stress hormones, including cortisol throughout the day, where we know that that's not exactly accurate these days. So there's been a lot of research on hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis dysfunction when essentially when we get stuck in that burnout stress response, why does that happen? Right. Is it like actually the adrenals, are they sick, right? What's going on in our bodies. And we have a clear understanding, a more clear understanding of the mechanism of action behind that. And what is 
to my best understanding is what's happening is when we are first exposed to stress, our body puts out a lot of cortisol as time goes on. And our body kind of gets to this point where, um, you know, I, I kind of call it the boy cried wolf syndrome where mm-hmm. the body's like, okay, you're, you've been under a lot of stress lately, right? You you're just getting stressed out all the time. Like I can't keep putting out this cortisol. So we need to start down-regulating the cortisol response. And so the body is still, the adrenals are still capable of producing the right amounts of cortisol at the right times, but there's an adaptation that happens. And essentially it's a communication breakdown between the brain and the hypothalamic pituitary um, and the adrenals. And so it really is just that. And the adrenals in most cases, and the adrenals are capable of producing the right amounts of hormones at the right times of day. We just have to kind of teach them how to do so again and kind of rewire that connection. Mm, I like that. Um, Okay. So how are the thyroid and the adrenal glands connected? Because man, I feel like, you know, this thyroid issues are underdiagnosed. Adrenal issues are underdiagnosed, especially specifically in the conventional world. How are the two connected and are they often um, missed and or like diagnosed for one another. So is somebody maybe have a thyroid issue, but it's misdiagnosed as an adrenal issue. Mm. Yeah. These are such important considerations and, um, you know, I'm not going to change my name to the adrenal pharmacist or anything. I'm still the thyroid pharmacist, (laughs) Um, but I've been talking about adrenal function for a long time. And this adrenal stress response, as it relates to people with thyroid issues and Hashimoto's, because 90% of them have some degree of this adrenal dysfunction. And, you know, our hormones talk to each other, right? So it's like, they don't live separate in separate compartments of the body, right? Um, In a vacuum apart from each other. So there's a communication feedback loop between the adrenal stress hormones and thyroid hormones. Typically when somebody has high amounts of cortisol and a lot of perceived stress, their body will produce more of something known as reverse T3, which essentially gets into our thyroid receptors, but rather than activating them, it blocks them. So a person can be hypothyroid when they're just perceiving all of this stress um, clinically. That means they are experiencing every symptom of hypothyroidism, even though their thyroid labs like the TSH thyroid antibodies, all of these things might actually be normal. It could be an adrenal driven um, kind of thyroid problem, right? So they don't actually have Hashimoto's. They don't have a thyroid condition, thyroid disease, but they're going to experience all the thyroid symptoms because their adrenals are out of balance. Um, Another part of this that I oftentimes see in people with Hashimoto's and with a thyroid condition is when they are hypothyroid, their body will compensate by keeping cortisol um, around longer. So our cortisol clearance and the breakdown of cortisol changes, our metabolism cortisol changes when we're hypothyroid because the body kind of tries to keep some you know, levels of energy on board and it, it does that by keeping more of that cortisol on board. But then what happens is people will start thyroid medications And this can actually unmask an underlying um, adrenal dysfunction because once they start thyroid medication, that cortisol clearance increases or normalizes, and they're left with 
really low cortisol output throughout the day, which again is unmasked. And they'll say, I started on thyroid meds and you know, my TSH, all of my numbers are looking good, but why do I still have brain fog? Why do I still have fatigue and um, anxiety and then, you know, like so many thyroid symptoms and they'll be like, okay, I have to go back to the doctor. Maybe I need more meds. And then they go back and they're like, but my labs are fine. Why am I still having symptoms? And, and, you know, and I admit I'm people. So (laughs) I've not only done this with people and seen this with lots of people over the last decade, but this was my story as well. When I was first on my healing journey, I started on thyroid meds, um, and found some relief with a a gluten-free and dairy-free diet. But then I still had all of these symptoms and they were related to my adrenal dysfunction. If you want 20% off the best adaptogen blends, plus a little insider info on what I use, listen up. Adaptogens are herbs and functional mushrooms that help your body adapt to stress. They essentially boost your resistance and tolerance when it comes to emotional and physical stress and provide your body with the support it needs only when it needs it. Research shows adaptogens can balance cortisol, combat fatigue, enhance focus, ease depression and anxiety, and support proper hormone function. The best and easiest way to supplement with adaptogen blends is with Organifi. Here's my tip. Some adaptogens are better in the morning and others are better at night. But it's important to experiment with timing to see what works for you. And you can even experiment with blends according to your cycle and your symptoms. For example, Harmony is an amazing blend of Vitex Berry and Maca, which are known to help relieve PMS symptoms like headaches and mood changes and even cycle irregularities. So you could take this when you're in the second half of your cycle. I like to take green juice, which has ashwagandha mid-morning when I'm stressed and dealing with sleep issues. And I take gold every night before bed. It's my nightcap with reishi. I just mix it with water and that helps me sleep. Support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. And I can attest to this. I have not found a blend that I don't like the taste of. These are clinical doses of adaptogens, so you actually feel the difference. Go to Organifi.com forward slash WellFed and use the code WellFed for 20% off. That's Organifi, so O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash WellFed. Use the coupon code WellFed for 20% off. I feel like so many light bulbs are going off for people. So from a diagnostic perspective, If somebody's labs are normal, but they have high reverse T3, would that be a little like thing for them to note? Like, oh, this is probably being caused by adrenal issues. That would be like a big ding, ding, ding in my head that it's likely going to be two things in my experience. It's going to be either most commonly adrenal dysfunction, or it could be a type of anemia, especially if people have low ferritin because iron carries our thyroid hormone to the cells. So this is something that I, you know, when I'm working with clients or I'm advocating for people with thyroid issues to take charge of their own health, I'm I'm talking about if you have a thyroid issue, you also need to, you know, address your adrenals and also mm-hmm. test your ferritin levels. And if you have th- any kind of thyroid symptoms, but not even a quote unquote thyroid diagnosis, then do these things as well, because they can be really relevant to the symptoms you're experiencing. 
Do you recommend that people get a diagnostic test, like test their cortisol in order to have this like adrenal dysfunction diagnosis? Or is it something that you really only uh, go off of symptoms with? Um, that's such a great question. So I am a functional medicine pharmacist and I love numbers and I love tests and I have, I'd like do tests on myself and all of my, I recommend them for my clients. I do tests, the tests on my dog. I do tests on my son <laughs> and my husband. And I love doing testing and I would be a big advocate for doing your own adrenal testing. Um, but the tricky part is when I've been recommending that for the last 10 years to people, I would say, ask your doctor to test you for adrenal dysfunction. And they would say, I went to my doctor. They said, I don't have Addison's. And I'd be like, oh, no, no, no. Let me explain. You need to work with an integrative doctor to utilize something like an adrenal saliva test or a Dutch urine test to look at some of the patterns of, um, you know, this is not a disease. This is like a stress adaptation. How, how is your stress? How are you responding to stress? And what can we do about it? And they would be like, okay, so I found the doctor. I paid out of pocket for the doctor. I paid out of pocket for the test, but I, but you know what? They've kind of been sitting at my house for a few months because they're kind of a pain to do. And then, yes. okay, so we do the tests and then they'd be like, you know, a few weeks they'd come back and then you get the test results. And sure enough, you know, you have adrenal dysfunction, but I, I could have just told you that based on how you were feeling. Mm -hmm. So so I do, if you can, it's absolutely helpful. It can be validating for your symptoms. If you have an amazing doctor, which I recommend everybody find that's integrative minded and works with these things, please do that. But also I just want you to know there's like hope and you can get better in three to four weeks with just um, sending your body safety signals, even if you've had these symptoms for many decades. So I always try to make things approachable because I have, there are more people in the world than I could ever take on as um, clients and that integrative doctors could see. And I, I just always try to advocate for people and teach people how to take charge of their own health. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, and I'm, I'm right there with you. I, sometimes people need the numbers. Other times it's just so dang clear. It's like, yeah, I mean, and the changes that you make when it comes to trying to reverse this, you know, this adrenal dysfunction, it's kind of good across the board. Like you're not treating something that's, you know, in a way that's going to harm you. It's only going to help you even if it's not, you know, what you think it is. So um, I appreciate that. And I know people do, too, because testing is such is such a problem, which we're going to get to because we have questions. People are like, how do I get my doctor to help me with my tests? It's it's hard. Um, before we dive into everybody's questions, talk to me a little bit about some of the common symptoms, specifically for women when it comes to thyroid issues and the most common thyroid disorders. Sure. So some of the symptoms of thyroid issues, you know, if we're going to start from, from top to bottom is women might report having hair loss or tangled hair. They might have brain fog. They might have a loss of the upper third of their eyebrows. Um, they might have, their eyes might feel, feel tired in the case of hypothyroidism. In the case of overactive thyroid, their eyes mm -hmm. might begin protruding more. Um, they might find that their face is puffy, that their skin isn't, you know, as youthful, it doesn't recover as well. And they might find that they're gaining extra weight without really doing anything because their metabolism is slowed down. So they're eating the same diet, same exercise, all things kept the same. They're just gaining more weight. Um, they might have fertility issues, which is 
really, really hard um, because I feel like a lot of women in their thirties, they have so many fertility issues and miscarriages and they're like, doctors don't test thyroid function during Mm -hmm. childbearing years when women's trying to get pregnant. And I feel like if we did that, we could save so many, I mean, we could save so many babies. Like we could, we could just prevent miscarriage and help a woman, um, woman get pregnant when, um, she's been trying for years. Um, the other thing that is kind of very common would be cold intolerance. So if you're the woman, everybody's wearing like a tank top and you got like a sweater on like this and you're still cold, that could be a sign that you could have a thyroid issue. And then some of the other, some of the other things that, um, that I feel like really need to be addressed. And I just talked about this, um, on my Instagram channel, like some people will only have mental health symptoms as Mm -hmm. their thyroid symptoms. So obsessive compulsive disorder is a sign that you might have Hashimoto's because, and usually it's an early sign when you have elevated thyroid antibodies, anxiety, depression, mood swings, brain fog, fatigue. And I, you know, I personally was diagnosed in my, um, twenties and I started having those symptoms like right after puberty. And, you know, Mm. my mom took me to, um, to an endocrinologist because she's a physician. Um, and she recognized that something was off about me and she asked to get my thyroid tested and they were like, well, her TSH is normal. Right. Um, and this condition is, and so I wasn't diagnosed until I was in my twenties and I started wow. to have some clinical hypothyroidism. And thankfully, you know, that allowed me to, th- to figure out and take charge of my own health and, um, figure out that I'm not, you know, not an anxious person. I'm not a lazy person and whatnot that I actually can have really good energy and brain function and, and all the wonderful things. But I know some people go on for years without getting a proper diagnosis and the condition is progressive. So Mm -hmm. you can have thyroid antibodies for decades sometimes before you have like these overt hypothyroid, um, labs and symptoms. So again, women will have like, they'll get a mental health diagnosis um, and they'll be thin and people will say like, oh no, you don't have a thyroid problem. You're thin. But if you were to check their thyroid antibodies, they might be super elevated. And as time goes on, you know, in their twenties, they'll have this in their thirties, they'll have fertility issues in their forties is maybe when they'll get diagnosed because they'll have overt hypothyroidism and they'll have, you know, the weight gain and some of the more classical symptoms. So Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it's it's a spectrum, and if you can catch it early, you can prevent a lifetime of symptoms. And you know, just I, that that's that's kind of my soapbox. Like I want everybody yeah. to be tested and find out early, not when their thyroid gland, um, a certain percentage of the thyroid glands needs to be destroyed before we have that change in TSH. And if oh we catch it in the beginning of the stages, we could prevent damage to the thyroid gland. Yeah. The lesson is moms for sure be watching your babies and maybe not your babies, but your, you know, your kids as they get older and your teenagers, like do not hesitate. If you think something's off, you're probably right. So don't hesitate to push for testing. And there's so many options now we're going to get into it, but there's, there's even mail-in kits that will actually do bigger thyroid panels. If you're at the end of your rope and your doctor won't won't do it, but, you know, listen to your intuition. And if you think something's off with yourself, get 
Go to a doctor who will help you if you're getting, you know, either gas- medically gaslit or or told that, you know, your symptoms are in your head or it's a mood disorder and you think it's something more like never apologize for going to another doctor and going until you find somebody who trusts you and is willing to do the the deeper digging. Um, so I love the soapbox. All right. So <laughs> this question, the first question is from Katie. She says, I love Dr. Wentz's work. I was wondering if she could provide some troubleshooting tips for her adrenal recovery protocol. How do we increase magnesium levels when we are already suffering from low blood pressure associated with adrenal fatigue and supplementing with magnesium makes low blood pressure symptoms worse? <laughs> Mm, that's such a great question. So, um, one of the things that I recommend in my program is going and getting, um, extra electrolytes throughout the day and extra, um, sea salt throughout the day that can help with normalizing blood pressure. People with adrenal issues will have like, they're the people that go to the doctor and the, the doctor's like, your blood pressure is amazing. And, yes. you know, from a functional standpoint, it's like blood pressure over 90, like 90 over 60, Um, yeah, no wonder you're tired. No wonder you're fatigued. We want that blood pressure higher. So we actually increase our intake of sea salt. You can do a drink called, I thought it was called soul, but apparently it's Soleil, which, which helps if, because it's more fancy, right? Um, you can take a, a, you can take a jar, um, and then add some filtered water in it and some sea salt. And just sip on that throughout the day, like take little sips and that'll support your blood pressure levels naturally. I've also found that many people, especially with thyroid and adrenal issues might be deficient in thiamine. So for some people and myself included, um, thiamine can be incredibly helpful for normalizing blood pressure. I recommend something called benfotiamine and benfomax from pure encapsulations, a dose of about 600 milligrams a day is what's helpful for recovering that blood pressure response and for, um, for getting, you know, like that normal blood pressure. And for some people it does like recover them from fatigue in three days, which, um, it's interestingly, cause I didn't make this up. I saw this in a study and then I've tried it with with so many people and I've had random people come up and hug me and said, thank you for recommending this because it changed my life. Um, so that is sometimes something I think about when people have that low blood pressure to look into whether thiamine or benfotiamine might be relevant for you, add in some of that sea salt, and then consider doing your magnesium maybe in the evenings or doing an Epsom salt bath so that you're not necessarily, um, so that you're not like, you know, having to walk around after the magnesium. So it kind of sets you up for a good night's sleep when, when you don't really mind, um, being more tired and sleepy. This actually brings up something that, um, I've been looking into a lot more, which, and this is kind of one of the problems is when you are chronically stressed, stress depletes minerals and resources, oddly enough, that your body needs to support the stress response, to like run the whole stress response. So what are some, I mean, I, it's hard because some of the studies are a little bit, there's not like a, a, you know, solid literature that's like stress depletes a hundred milligrams of magnesium. It's not like, you know, we don't have these exact numbers, but what in your research have you found to be the most like notable when it comes to what, uh, nutrients, whether vitamins or minerals that stress really kind of drains from you? 
Definitely the B vitamins um, are going to be helpful and drained during a stress response. So utilizing something that contains a B complex with, with multiple vitamins can be game changing. And even in some cases, utilizing individual B vitamins in those mega doses can be absolutely game changing for people. Then vitamin C, this is yeah. something that gets really depleted in our stress response. And, you know, there's no coincidence be that people who are stressed oftentimes are getting sicker. Part of that is, you know, making sure we have enough vitamin C on board and then also suppressing our uh, su supporting our secretory IgA levels, which, which we could talk about a little bit more. Um, I don't want to get off a tangent, but then, then also magnesium and electrolytes are some of the other super important nutrients that in many times, like when we just restore these, and these are kind of the foundational for supporting a stress response, you know, you get on magnesium and you're like, oh, I thought I was anxious. I thought I had cramps. I thought I had PMS. I thought I had, you know, sleep yes. issues, but it turns out I just needed some magnesium. It's like amazing. It, it can yes. be so game changing for, for many people. Um, Dr. Wentz, have you tried an adrenal cocktail or have you seen people talking about those? Yeah. yeah. Um, I love adrenal cocktails. I have a recipe for one in the adrenal transformation protocol. I do it just a little bit differently because um, adrenal cocktails, they utilize orange juice, which I yes. love for raising blood glucose. Um, and they usually have some um, form of electrolytes or sea salt. So I recommend either adding sea salt or adding an electrolyte powder into the mix. And then I also add some um, protein powder to support blood sugar balance and to support people's um, amino acid utilization. Cause oftentimes we're in that like breakdown mode when we're in adrenal dysfunction and we actually need more protein and amino acids. And then I also add in some fat, usually coconut milk to help kind of, um, to, to basically help with like the blood sugar response, yeah. because if we just drink OJ straight up, like we're going to feel better if our blood glucose is low in the morning, which a lot of people with adrenal issues will have that like low blood sugar in the morning. OJ is really helpful, but then it can kind of put us on a bit of a roller coaster where you get like this high and then you crash. And so with utilizing like coconut milk, you, you have the response and, and your blood sugar does raise, but not so fast. And you don't have that big of a crash. Yeah. So it I, I love, I love adrenal cocktails. There's so many great recipes out there and they're actually tasty. Yeah. I was about to say the one that when you add like coconut milk and, um, like a vanilla protein powder or collagen yeah. or whatever, it tastes like an orange creamsicle. <laughs> it, yeah. And that that's another reason why I wanted the recipe. Cause I'm like, if we can start the day with something tasty, then, um, so much easier than when I've had people like, you know, take something, um, you know, dr drink things like cabbage juice or something else. Oh, that's gosh. not super tasty. Right. For yeah. <laughs> in the morning. Heart, like eat, make it sustainable, make it taste exactly. good. Um, okay. This is from Jessica. She says, how to know what to focus on addressing first. Do I address my adrenals or do I address my thyroid? I've been struggling with both hypothyroid and adrenal burnout for many years and have been on many protocols with no resolution. I'm finally going to start thyroid meds to see if that helps. I think thyroid meds can definitely be a great step in the right direction, especially if you've had an elevated TSH for quite some time. That's just one of the fastest ways to restore healthy 
levels of thyroid hormone in the body. So that that's great that you're doing that and you're working with your doctor on that. Um, I would also encourage you to monitor your thyroid function, make sure you're on the right dose at the right time, um, right formulation of thyroid meds for yourself. Um, also, whenever we get on that thyroid hormone, please keep in mind that it can exacerbate some of the adrenal issues. So I oftentimes recommend supporting both at the same time. And adrenal protocols are part of my thyroid protocols, right? Um, so I've worked with a lot of people. We've had about 3,500 people go through the adrenal transforma transformation protocol mm. where we focus on supporting the stress response. And that helps a lot of thyroid symptoms. Um, I also utilize something known as myo-inositol as part of the adrenal transformation protocol. And this is like a multi-purpose um, nutrient. It used to be considered a B vitamin. It no longer, it no longer is. It's been like reclassified, but it is like, it's got like a sugar, it's got a sweet taste. It's a, it's a type of naturally occurring sugar um, that our body produces. And um, this is something that can help stabilize blood sugar issues, which are super notorious in adrenal dysfunction and thyroid um, conditions. It can help with things like obsessive compulsive disorder. It can help with anxiety. It can help people have a more restful sleep. And then research, recent research studies have shown that in the cases of subclinical hypothyroidism, myo-inositol can actually help with normalizing the TSH and can get um, early cases of Hashimoto's into remission. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe not people that have had Hashimoto's for 30 years, but people that are like in those early stages when they're having these quote unquote mental health symptoms, right? It could be a myo-inositol issue or deficiency because myo-inositol um, helps us balance our oxidative stress in the body. And hey, that might be the thing that can really help you reduce your um, TSH levels and balance your blood sugar and get rid of that anxiety, get rid of that OCD. And sometimes I'll recommend combining that with a small dose of selenium if somebody has um, if somebody has thyroid antibodies, because the research has shown that um, some people are able to get into remission with utilizing these two things kind of in the early stages of hypothyroidism selenium okay so i'm everybody i'm taking notes so if you want <laughs> everything she's mentioned i've written down you can go to the show notes for this episode on my website and everything will be there the combination of myonositol and selenium what if somebody has had hashimoto's or um you know the autoimmune version of thyroid issues for a long period of time. Can that still be helpful with antibodies? It can absolutely be helpful with antibodies. Selenium has been shown to reduce thyroid antibodies by about half over the course of three months. The only thing that I always recommend is if you're on thyroid meds and you're utilizing myo-inositol, it can normalize your TSH. And so you may not need as many meds, as much dose of medication so please be aware and make sure you're working with your doctor on that because people can actually become hyperthyroid when they are um, taking thyroid meds and their thyroid function comes back on board because of that myo-inositol. So it is really important to monitor because it works. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to, you know, you might not need as, as high of a dose of thyroid meds when you get on the myo-inositol. Mm. Very interesting. Okay. So this is a second follow-up question from Jessica. And we got this question a lot. Is it necessary 
to go gluten-free when you have a thyroid condition? Because we've had a lot of people say, I did it, it didn't help, or you know, I keep hearing that I'm supposed to do this. Is it really, do I really have to do this, Dr. Wentz? I mean, I've I've gone through my clients and long history of this in the last decade, I would say um, kind of around with my clients work and then serving some of my community, about 88% of people feel better gluten-free. And then most of the ladies that I've personally worked with that gotten into remission, they have been gluten-free. So that is a big part of what I recommend for some people. It's just going gluten-free and then, wow, they feel so much better. And this is all they needed. Their thyroid function normalizes, no more antibodies, no more, um, you know, miracle stories, all of their autoimmune conditions go away. And this is usually associated with people who didn't know they had celiac disease. Um, Mm. So this might be a common pattern there, but even people with, with just subclinical, um, you know, gluten sensitivity, they may be really, really helped by getting off of gluten. Some people, they do need to do more, right? So they might need to look into other types of triggers. For me, I would look at gluten, dairy, and soy as the main food triggers to consider. But I'm also looking at like, are you supporting your stress response? Because when you're in this heightened stress response, this could make you sensitive to a ton of foods, right? And whatever you're eating at the time, you're going to react to Then I'm also looking at like what's living in your microbiome. Like if you've got um, pathogens, there's one called blastocystis hominis. I know the autoimmune paleo diet was super popular a few, many years back. And some people are very much like you need to go autoimmune paleo if you have Hashimoto's where kind of looking at, okay, all of the foods eliminated on the autoimmune paleo diet, people who have a blasto infection report reacting to these foods. And I've been able to find that if we can get rid of that blasto infection, Mm -hmm. people tend to be less sensitive to foods, especially like grains, right? So Mm -hmm. grain sensitivity and blasto has been a big, big connection that I've seen. And up to 30% of people with Hashimoto's may have blasto. Um, Part of my adrenal transformation protocol is utilizing sarcomyces boulardii, which is a beneficial yeast that helps to raise our secretory IgA levels um, which are depleted by stress, by our stress response. And when you raise that secretory IgA, then the body can overcome some of these like protozoal infections naturally. It can overcome candida naturally. It can overcome um, various bacterial pathogens. In fact, um, there was a study done in children of just using Sarcomyces boulardii for, um, for a period of time and that cleared the um, protozoa infection in about um, 80% of the children. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. It's um, so gentle too. Cause I know people um, have had various infections that they're like, I can't get rid of it. I can't get rid of it. I'm like, well, when your stress response is depleted, that's going to prevent your ability to defend yourself, right. From, mm-hmm. from these various pathogens. And you're going to be the person going out for sushi with your friends and they're going to be feeling great. And you're going to be the one that's going to come with like food poisoning because you just don't have that line of defense from, um, you know, from the, the, all the pathogens that are around and our body, um, a healthy body can kind of fight off a resilient body can suppress and fight off. Right. If you've been thinking about sauna blankets, I have been testing one for about three months now and I love it. And it's the most affordable one on the market 
and I have a 20% off code. Many of you know Bond Charge, which is the holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products. I wear Bond Charge orange blue light blocking glasses nightly and wear the yellow and computer glasses every single day, depending on how I'm feeling. They have been a lifesaver for improving my sleep and reducing headaches from looking at screens. And earlier this year, I finally invested in the sauna blanket from Bond Charge. I have had my eye on it for a long time because it's the most affordable one out there that provides high quality, far infrared light and a convenient and easy to use blanket setup. I absolutely love the sauna blanket. I mostly use it to improve relaxation and reduce muscle soreness and it works. You just lay it out on the bed, turn it on and heat it up in about 10 minutes. I lay on the bed and either work or watch TV with my yellow glasses on. It's it's a vibe. Far infrared light works by heating up the body directly, which speeds up your metabolism and sweat rate. It also relaxes muscles and reduces muscle tension. Ultimately, it's an incredible way to support your lymphatic system and detoxification, which frankly we all need to be more proactive about. I used it daily when I was doing my parasite cleanse. And we have a deal for you which you won't find anywhere else. Go to bondcharge.com forward slash wellfed and use coupon code wellfed to save 20% off the entire website. That's bondcharge, so B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com forward slash wellfed and then use our coupon code well fed to save 20% off. That's $140 off your very own sauna blanket and the discount works on blue light blocking glasses, light bulbs, and more. Mm, That's super interesting. So with the blasto infections, is that something that you would have to find on a stool test like the GI map test? Uh, yeah, um, the the so I've been doing this for like a long time, like now 10 years. I'm like, when when did the time fly? I'm still 23, right? <laughs> um, but there I used to have a company that I worked with called Biohealth Lab. And I would like I had done hundreds of lab tests with them and they would find blasto like in I think it was something like 20 to 30% of people that I worked with with Hashimoto's. And the thing that they did is they used like six stool samples. Everybody hated the test. And they were just like so miserable because they'd had to like keep these little jars of poop in their freezer <laughs> and freezer for like extended periods of time. But from like a, you know, like a finding a parasite like way, like it was extremely helpful because we didn't get as many false negatives. Like the, I love the GI map test. And this is the test I mostly recommend now, but it's just one stool sample. Yeah. And so like I would look at the stool samples and there would be, you know, four to six samples and the blasto would only be on one of the samples, right? So mm-hmm. um so my my stats for the GI map, like I've just done an analysis of like few hundred 300 labs that I did with people with the GI map and I'm not seeing, you know, I'm still seeing blasto but not in the same high rates. So I'm I'm like if you have if you have irritable bowel syndrome and chronic hives and Hashimoto's, Blasto is like a really relevant root cause of all three. And sometimes just supporting um, your secretory IgA. So GI map will usually catch if somebody's secretory IgA is low, but typically if you're stressed out, it's going to be low. Um, Just supporting that can be helpful to fight off no matter what you have in your gut and whether you test positive for it or not, because false negatives are just so common. And I'm, you know, I I, like, I don't want to start a lab and have to look under a microscope on people's poop (laughs) all day long. But, um, 
but I, again, I just try to make things approachable for people. Cause it's like, I know you don't have like $800 to spend on every single test. Yeah. in the world. Yeah. It's hard. Um, okay. So this is from AZ Petrus. She says, how can you tell if your adrenal, if you are feeling bad from an adrenal fatigue slash crash, or how do you like decipher between if it's an adrenal fatigue crash or a Hashimoto's flare? So say, like you said, you got a lot of symptoms. How do you know if it's, these are my adrenals and it's the stress response, or this is a Hashimoto's flare. And maybe if you could talk us through what is a flare, because I do feel like people talk about that a lot, but um, what are some causes of flares? I mean, and it's so connected. It, I think it's a little bit tricky to kind of decipher it. And really part of what I recommend and have always recommended for Hashimoto's is adrenal support. And, you know, getting a flare under control oftentimes focuses on self-care. Um, flares are oftentimes going to be triggered by things like stress. Um, stress can also cause the microbes in our gut to become more active. So previously, you know, things that were there and playing well with the rest of our microbes, when they sense adrenaline, when they sense stress, they're like time to party. Um, and a person might have a flare up of something like H. pylori, which is a known thyroid um, trigger for both Hashimoto's and Graves. And that can cause an increase in thyroid antibodies. And I, I, it is all connected, right? So yeah. typically if somebody is in a flare of Hashimoto's, they might see higher thyroid antibodies and more of the symptoms coming up than they did before. And part of that, like, you know, my kind of flare approach is let's double down on self-care and like the adrenal strategies. And then if, is it there something going on with your gut? Is there something going on with your, with your, um, system detoxification system? Kind of like my, um, my kind of like, you know, nerdy analysis of like everybody that I've worked with, it's like, what are the mo main categories and how can we get the most, I guess, bang for our buck by supporting, like, what do you really focus on is focusing on like our liver detox pathways, just supporting that naturally to help get rid of whatever toxins could be triggering things in our body, then supporting the adrenals and the stress response, and then supporting gut health. So I, typically those are the three things that I often come back to is like, what, um, you know, what's going on? Is, is this some kind of an exposure? I go through, um, I have a list of tests that I might recommend for people that want to dig deeper, but, but again, like great place to start is really like that stress response, right? If you're feeling stressed out, mm -hmm. if you're feeling overwhelmed, there's a chance that, um, supporting your adrenals is going to help. Okay. This is the question of the day. What do you do? This is from Sarah and many others. What do you do if your thyroid numbers are good, but you still have symptoms like cold hands and feet and low energy? And I did ask Sarah to send, I said, Sarah, what did you get tested? Because I wanted to make sure she hadn't just gotten her TSH tested and she did send in her test. But I know a lot of people experience this. So absolutely. And going through, you have thyroid symptoms, but your TSH is normal. What does it mean for TSH to be normal? Um, we, um, from a functional medicine standpoint, TSH, the most of the ladies I've worked with feel best when it's between 0.5 and two. I know when I was like searching for the cause of my thyroid issues, 
I um, I was scanning a bunch of documents last summer and I came across one from a physician who said, your TSH is normal, <laughs> no need to do anything else. And my TSH was 4.5 and I felt like a sloth. Wow. Um, and we know that like the reference ranges should be smaller back in the day. They were like TSH of like eight is normal or TSH of nine is normal where they really should be between 0.5 and two, especially for women of childbearing age. There's actually research with, um, and studies talking about, you know, really making that TSH range really narrow to like prevent miscarriage, right. Especially in women with thyroid antibodies. So TSH test, right? So look at the number. I, I've diagnosed. I, I've helped so many people get diagnosed because I've just looked at their old labs and been like, "No, actually, your doctor said this is normal, but you are not like, you know, this is not normal." I, I felt like a sloth when my TSH was four point five. When it's around one, I feel amazing. Even at three, I was losing hair when my TSH was at a three, and many women will say that, right? Um, so then that that's like okay, one piece of it. Then we're looking at, do you have markers of thyroid inflammation? And these are going to be like there 10 years, sometimes 15, 20 years before you might have that change in TSH. And that would be thyroid antibodies, TPO antibodies and TG antibodies, right? So look at those. You want to make sure that they are under 35. And I would venture to say, if you don't have a thyroid condition, one to two is where they should be at, right? Hmm. And then looking at your... Um, in some cases, some, um, I, I would usually recommend looking at free T3 and free T4. If your free T3 is low and you're taking thyroid meds, or if it's kind of like in the bottom half of the reference range, but your T4 is like in the top half of the reference range, it could be a conversion problem. So you're not converting your thyroid, um, medications into the active thyroid hormone. This is typical for people who take levothyroxine. Um, or Synthroid, and they still have thyroid symptoms. So options there are get on a medication that has T3 already, like an armor, a natural desiccated thyroid, or add in some Cytomel, or work on your conversion. Working on your conversion could mean if you're low in ferritin, make sure you address that low iron. Um, it could be mean addressing your stress response. It could mean also uh, making sure you have enough selenium and zinc to work on the conversion or also work on your liver um, and do some liver support because 80, something like 60 to 80% of the conversion from T4 to T3 can take place in the liver. That's, that's kind of where our hormones are like metabolized and activated. So, so that's kind of like one consideration. And then, um, you know, if you see that you have, and I don't always recommend for testing reverse T3, but some people who like don't have a thyroid condition, may wish to test for that. And if that's high, that usually indicates that you probably have some degree of adrenal dysfunction or you could have um, low ferritin levels. So, so definitely check those things with your doctor and, um, and just you know focus on your stress response because that could be really, really game-changing. And a lot of times I see people, you know, that their basically stress makes them block their thyroid receptors. So their thyroid gland could be acting, you know, perfectly and perfectly healthy, but their thyroid hormone is just not getting into the cells. Um, so, so that, that, that's another passion point for me. So thanks for asking. Okay. And this is 
The second most popular question, this is from Cassandra, Lisi, Vanessa of Chrome, Jen. How do I get off thyroid meds? Is it important for me to get off thyroid meds? Is it bad that I'm on medication? So should people be working towards trying to get off? Um, so definitely if you are, um, if your thyroid gland has been damaged by the immune system to the point where your body isn't able to produce its own thyroid hormone, it's super important for you to be on thyroid medications and to be optimized on them because, you know, like your, your other organs can't make thyroid hormone for you. Um, in the early stages, when you just have a Hashimoto's attack and your thyroid gland is still able to compensate, there's actually a lot that can be done to prevent the need for thyroid hormones or even normalize your thyroid function. And you can do things like, you know, getting off of the inflammatory foods can help for some people. If you have an H. pylori infection, you catch that early, you treat that, your thyroid function can come back to normal. Um, doing the myo-inositol and um, selenium, utilizing that together can normalize thyroid function without needing thyroid meds in some cases. And then another, another thing can be helpful is low-level laser therapy over the thyroid gland. That can be incredibly helpful. Now, I will say it's a lot easier to like prevent and heal mild damage to the thyroid gland than it is to like reverse damage to a thyroid gland that's been, you know, under attack for, for decades and where, you know, some people have 90% of their thyroid gland that's been destroyed, or they might have a, a thyroid that has completely shriveled up or they have had their thyroid removed. And I just want to like, my approach is just to help people to feel better. Like, I don't really care what you do to feel better. Like, I mean, don't do cocaine or like methamphetamines or anything crazy <laughs> like that. I had um, one person say, I think it was, I hope it was a joke. It's like, I found methamphetamine helped my energy. I'm like, please don't do that. Um, but, but generally like, you know, medications can be a part of your healing journey and they might be just what you need if your thyroid gland has been damaged. And that's going to be part of, part of the whole protocol that you will use to restore your health. So you can feel like the way that you're meant to feel vital, full of energy, your brain's working, you know, you have a healthy metabolism and you're, you're feeling fit and calm and amazing. Like that's what I want for people. And I like, I love utilizing all kinds of healing modality modalities, whether that's hormones, nutrition, or, or, um, lifestyle change. Right. Yeah. Let's finish out with talking about supplements. So this one's from Samantha and Katie was asking this too. What's the connection or what is our need when it comes to thyroid disorders and iodine? Because, you know, there's been a little bit of caution. Make sure you're, you know, iodine can actually cause more problems. Some people are saying that iodine is really important. So what is the deal with iodine supplementation? It's kind of controversial in the thyroid world. And I feel like there's like a no iodine camp. And then there's like a high iodine camp. And I'm always, you know, I I'm kind of, um, agnostic <laughs> with a lot of things where, where I'm like, I could see some people, they do well with high doses of iodine. Right. And they're like, this, this changed my life. But I've also seen too many people that'll say, I tried iodine and it shot my thyroid antibodies so high up. Mm. And, you know, I felt so terrible. I've had people that have come to me with a TSH of a hundred when, um, you know, like they were subclinical before and had 
maybe a TSH of like five and then thyroid antibodies in the hundreds. And then they read somewhere that they should take high iodine and they'd like skyrocket into the thousands for the antibodies, hundred TSH bedridden. So, um, and there's been reports of people like getting iodine contrast studies and that kind of triggered their condition and looking through all of the research, what I've, what the patterns seem to show is that iodine in excess can actually exacerbate an autoimmunity and cause autoimmune thyroid issues in people that are susceptible. So essentially the, the countries that have started adding iodine to the salt supply, they would look at the rates of Hashimoto's before and after, and the rates like sometimes would double, triple, quadruple in those countries of Hashimoto's. And so my kind of approach is iodine. um, You know, if you're taking a multivitamin, the amount in a multivitamin, 150 micrograms to up to 300 micrograms prenatal multivitamin, usually that is going to be helpful for most people and shouldn't be inflammatory to most people. But then doses above that are going to be potentially inflammatory to many people. And like, you know, it's kind of interesting because so many people have come to me and they're like, just take iodine. Why don't you just recommend iodine? And I'm like, well, I kind of, I kind of do the other things with people. So I focus on their inflammatory foods. I focus on their adrenals. I focus on their gut and other nutrients, especially selenium and myonositol vitamin D. And then like they go into remission from Hashimoto's and I never have to like load them up on iodine. I never have to like really do all these crazy things that are potentially risky. So I kind of like, I would treat iodine like a drug. It's a very narrow, like just as I wouldn't put somebody on like a mega dose of thyroid hormone. Yeah. um, I wouldn't put somebody on a mega dose of iodine. And I think that's where the danger can come from, but like what the amount that's in a multi or prenatal that the studies have actually shown that can have positive effects. So you, you need a little bit, like probably less than, um, you know, probably less than you would find in, in seaweed snacks, unless that you would find in kelp supplements at your, at your local health food store. So, and I just, I just want to recommend caution for people with like trying to self-medicate with that. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. This but is some people see. do have, I have had some people say like it worked really well, but oftentimes I feel like you need to do the other things first. And maybe if you're still struggling, then consider that. But when you do the other things first, then your inflammation and autoimmunity will be balanced and you won't have all that oxidative stress because extra iodine can just, you know, it's like running on a broken leg, right? <laughs> running so good for everybody, not for people with broken legs. So yeah. like, let's work on healing your leg first before we try to get you like marathon training. That's a really good analogy. I can relate to that one. (laughs) Okay. This is from Sarah. She says, can you discuss supplements for Hashimoto's? I'm I'm subclinical hypothyroid with Hashimoto's and have found that meds don't do anything to help me feel better. Desiccated beef thyroid has been a lifesaver. It has improved my numbers and how I feel dramatically. However, my T3 and T4 are still much lower than optimal and I feel it with my energy, headaches, and gut issues. So is that something you recommend? The des- I'm so used to saying desiccated liver that I just went right into it, but desiccated beef thyroid, what's your thoughts about that? That's such a great question. So I know that there are glandular preparations of thyroid hormones on the market, and yeah. I know some people do self-medicate with them, and people, um, some naturopathic doctors do prescribe them. 
And I've tried to reach out to lots of these companies before um, because I'm like, okay, this could be an interesting option for people. Um, And then they can't tell me how much thyroid hormone is contained within because it's a natural source of thyroid hormone, but they can't tell me how much is contained within the capsules. Right. And so then you can't really like you can get one batch and you could be doing well with that dose. But then the next batch might be like higher or lower and thyroid hormones are such like narrow therapeutic index, um, nutrients or, or hormones that like, if you overdose on thyroid, it could be a big problem. And if you're underdosed, like it could be a problem too. So I typically utilize prescription natural desiccated, or I advocate for natural desiccated thyroid in prescription form, like an armor thyroid. It's tricky to find a prescribing doctor that will give you a prescription for that. Um, Mm. but that that's, that's kind of been my experience. And again, I'm a pharmacist and I really like to keep my numbers, you know, aligned. And, um, the, the tricky part is if they were to tell you how much, um, thyroid hormone, because I've talked to a lot of companies about this is within the supplements. And if I, if they did that testing, they published it, then it would be classified as a drug. So that it's kind of like, it's kind of tricky with the supplement companies. And I wish there was one where I could be like, this is reliable. This is dependable. I know exactly how much thyroid hormone is in it, but I don't have one out there like that. Um, So I typically will recommend the meds and then for supporting your body and that inflammation that um, leads to Hashimoto's and balancing your TSH levels naturally. Um, I love selenium and myo-inositol. So (laughs) 600 milligrams of myonositol, about 83 micrograms of selenium. Utilizing that can be a really big game changer for that. Vitamin D levels. Most of my ladies in remission will have levels between 60 and 80. I know that's kind of on the higher end, but that that's just what I've seen, you know, clinically. Getting that ferritin level up. So anywhere again, about 80 to 90. If you're losing hair, that's going to help your um, your body transport your thyroid hormone into its cells. These are some of the really helpful things that you can do. And in some people taking, um, taking an adrenal supplement like ashwagandha, this can be incredibly helpful and can help normalize TSH levels naturally. Not like, you know, if, if your TSH is at a hundred, it's not going to go to one. (laughs) It's more like if your TSH is at like a three, then maybe we can get it into like a 1.52 range with, with, um, with that balancing that stress response, you're going to get some relief from that. But I will say that I will have people that have gone through the ATP protocol and utilizing the myonositol and some of the trigger elimination, some of them do, um, see normalization in their thyroid labs. And of course I encourage everybody to, to work with their physician and test for their thyroid labs, especially if they're taking, um, supplemental thyroid hormone already to make sure they're adjusting that correctly. And are your patients, are you having them supplement with vitamin D or like try to get outside more? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like if I could get everybody a beach vacation to come (laughs) and go to the beach with me and just do that together for a month. I like, I think that would be the most healing thing in the world, right? Like, can we all do that? Um, so ideally for me, I would love for people to spend more time outside in the sunshine and get their, um, vitamin D levels naturally. I found out about a cool app a few years ago called D minder, where you can kind of enter in your skin type and 
what clothes clothes you're wearing, your zip code, and then it kind of helps you get your um, vitamin D levels naturally through your skin. If you live in like um, the nether the Netherlands, like I did for a while, or you know, like in in Alaska, like my my husband's parents, probably not super useful to you, like to step outside, right? Yeah. Uh, but you can also do this as a supplement too. So if you don't have access to sunshine on a daily basis, if, if you're in the Midwest, if it's like you know, if you're in Canada and, and you don't have a lot of sunshine, then a supplement will do too. Um, one of the other questions we got a lot, which we talked about before was about thyroid function and pregnancy. And, you know, while we were talking a lot about adrenal dysfunction and stress and all of that, you're talking about not sleeping and feeling overwhelmed and irritated. It's like, that's every mother, right? So (laughs) how do we, how do we optimize what are, I mean, are there any little shifts that you recommend when women know specifically, maybe they find out that they have a thyroid issue or they they know that they have a thyroid issue and they're headed into pregnancy and postpartum. How do they set themselves up for success? Okay. So if you have um, a thyroid issue and you would like to become pregnant, some of the things to consider is make sure that you have your TSH optimized. Generally 0.5 to 2 is where it's at. Even if you have thyroid antibodies, the research is showing that taking thyroid hormones may be helpful in trying to conceive. Um, Things to consider is within the first trimester, your requirement for thyroid hormone goes up. So just being on a thyroid hormone beforehand may give you a better chance of like keeping the baby and keeping the baby healthy and yourself healthy. I... um, Also advocate as soon as you get a positive pregnancy test, you will need to increase your thyroid meds, specifically T4 requirements go up. The baby needs more T4 to grow. And so women will need to increase their thyroid meds. Like if they've been on them, just it's a thing. Like as soon as you find out you're pregnant, you're going to need to increase your thyroid meds. Um, And then throughout pregnancy, I would say maintaining like a really um, healthy diet Things like omega-3 fatty acids have been helpful for, for, you know, fish oil is great for the baby's brain and also for helping to manage some inflammation in our bodies. Um, Carnitine supplements have been studied in thyroid fatigue. There's also um, more research and um, I guess direction for utilizing carnitine as part of prenatal supplements. I would advocate for that as well. Definitely check with your um, physician about that selenium supplements taken during pregnancy in the postpartum period have been shown to reduce, um, in some studies, the postpartum thyroiditis issues. Um, so these are, these are kind of some of the foundational things that women can do while they're having, um, while they're pregnant and then postpartum period, I, um, actually developed the adrenal transformation protocol when I was in my postpartum period, when I was, um, (laughs) Um, I had a flare up right around, um, four months of Hashimoto's and I don't, you know, you're a mom, so I don't know if, if you can guess what was happening around four months, (laughs) probably a major sleep regression, your child's (laughs) annoying the crap out of you at that point, your boobs are like really full. And so it's like this peak of like your oversupply is going crazy and your child's not sleeping. 
that honestly, like four months postpartum, when you said that, I was like, oh, like I got a feeling because it just, I I got so, that's when I had like multiple mastitis infections because my body was under an insane amount of stress. So, yeah. Absolutely. So same. So yeah. um, four months part postpartum and the sleep regression. So those beautiful babies and their tiny little tummies and needing all of that nutrition, right? Um, and just getting adjusted to being out of the womb and yeah. being more aware that they're not in the womb anymore. Holy cow, I'm waking up. It's the middle of the night. It's dark. Yeah. Um, they um, Sleep de- deprivation is one of the fastest ways to get into adrenal dysfunction. Yeah. And so um, I ended up with like losing my hair and an H. pylori infection um, and so on and so forth. And I ended up being able to treat that naturally. And then my hair loss went away. I was like, oh, this is cool. This one, like, like I have hair again. Right. And I felt better after that. But then, you know, I thought like the sleep regression was supposed to like stop. And then, then like, I thought, you know, sleep was going to happen, but it didn't. (laughs) So eight months postpartum, I'm like, man, this is hard. And I tested my adrenals and sure enough, they were flatlined. So I was barely making any cortisol at all. Cause I was, I was up the whole night. And then like, I like really love, I waited till like 35 to be a mom. And I was like, I just like wanted to hoard that baby during the day. Like my mom was there to help me. And I was like, no, my baby. So like, (laughs) I don't know if anybody could relate to that. Right. Um, but I like, wasn't getting enough of, um, just rest throughout the day. And then I was like, I can't take like, like, I can't do the usual adrenal recommendations of sleeping 12 hours. And I can't take like adrenal hormones, like DHEA. I don't want like my baby to like have, you know, I don't know, um, chest hair, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, I don't want those things to happen. And so that's when I discovered or kind of focused on the adrenal transformation protocol and really focused on sending my body safety signals, which were really focused on like pleasurable activities, mitochondrial support, um, getting lots of that beautiful sunshine. And I utilized some adaptogens that were nursing friendly. Of course, I recommend everybody checking with their lactation consultants. Some of them can give us an oversupply, um, which, which, you know, is, is not fun either. So, um, the, really the protocol was developed, even if you're like a sleep deprived mom, there's other ways to send your body safety signals, like time in nature, pleasurable activities, um, Epsom salt baths. If anybody has ever had nursing aversion, um, that can actually be a really big game changer for that, or just increasing your magnesium uptake. So I do have a section for, um, nursing moms in the book on, and new moms, like what to do, because I've, I've been there and it's like, you think, you know, things, and then you have, you have children and you're like, okay, I don't know. Yeah. This is a really important life lesson, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm learning a lot. Um, Okay, so the book is called Adrenal Transformation Protocol, a four-week plan to release stress symptoms and go from surviving to thriving. It's a book every woman needs in their book cabinet or, you know, on your smartphone if you want to download the audiobook or the, you know, digital version. Um, It releases April 18th, um, and I'll have a link to it in the show notes. Please follow Dr. Wentz on Instagram. She does some amazing work on Instagram. The last thing I will send us off with, because we, I, you know, we alluded to this and I didn't cover it. What is your favorite way or favorite maybe at home test, if you have any, for getting a full thyroid panel if your doctor won't actually test more than TSH? Hmm. So I love, um, 
patients empowering themselves to test their own thyroid function. So I will oftentimes provide links to something like Alta Labs or Rupa Lab for people where they can get um, either go to like order the labs themselves or they can go to the lab um, and just order the tests for themselves. And then there's also some finger prick tests. I know ZRT Lab has done a really great one and I utilize them for like adrenal testing and for um, for also they do some thyroid tests as well. So there are options we've had to, we've been there, done that, you know, my husband's in the military and it's like, no, we're not testing you again, but just as like, this is what we want you to do. And they choose not to. So, um, I think home tests and taking care into your own hands is a great option. I will link to everything that Dr. Wentz mentioned in the show notes, go grab all of her books. If you have a thyroid issue, um, go grab all of them. You're going to learn so much and it you can get better and feel better and, and reverse your symptoms. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for all the extra time. You spent a lot of time here. So I really appreciate you spending the time to answer all these questions and help us. Oh, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me on and the wonderful work that you're doing in the world. And hopefully we can cha- we can help more people take charge of their health. Yes. Yes, I agree. Okay. So more from Isabella Wentz. It's thyroidpharmacist.com. Her books are on Amazon. Again, we will link to them in the show notes. Um, it looks like you also have a... Um, at thyroidpharmacist.com slash ABC. It's a free adrenal healing guide. So we'll link to that in the show notes too, which I think could be really helpful for people if you're looking for information right now. For more from me, it's coconutsandkettlebells.com. Thanks guys for being here. I will talk to you next week.